Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Sitting In. I just want to say a huge thank you to everybody who's been supporting the podcast by sharing it on Instagram and even getting some merch. So thanks again to everybody who's been doing that. If you are interested in supporting the podcast, obviously you can share it on Instagram. And if you want to get some merch, you need to go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. Today I'm sitting in with award-winning blues rock guitarist Ollie Brown. Ollie's based in the UK and is frontman for his band Raven Eye. He's also a solo artist and has been touring around the world doing both of those projects. And in addition to this, he's recently started teaching online in his group, The Guitar Tribe, which is linked in the, uh, the description to this podcast. It was really great to sit down with Ollie and have a chat because I've known of his music uh, way longer than we've been in contact. So it was kind of nice to talk about that as well. So anyway, without further ado, I hope you enjoy episode 11 with Ollie Brown. Yeah, you seem like you record quite a lot. I've, I've watched a lot of your things on Instagram and you're always recording. Yeah, always. Yeah, nice. It's man. kind of like yeah, it's all it's it's like I think because I've got time, so I'm like I'm kind of going between records at the moment. So yeah, I love I absolutely love recording. Yeah, have you been recording for long? Um, I kind of all I'm always in and out. I think like I um I un- unintentionally like I really I love producing and mixing, and so I kind of love that side of music as well. So that's brought me into the studio a lot more. Um, but like now I'm kind of I've got my own home studio set up and I just I write as much as possible as many songs as I can and just write nice like that's my main priority like I don't want to wait for inspiration as great as inspiration is I think it can be a crux if you just rely on it Mm -hmm. so I just I write and then if I feel inspired while I'm doing it it's a bonus but I think it's important to not just rely on this you know imaginary feeling that kind of it takes over you and you know moves you in different ways but i just don't want to rely on it no that's that's uh it's cool to hear that because at the beginning of the year i started a practice of in the morning i try it's kind of slipped now but i tried to get up at 7 a.m and write for two hours every day just like right wow. it didn't matter about if it was good or bad it was that process of writing and you've been writing for a while way longer than i have anyway and i'll tell you how i know that in a minute it's quite funny but um yeah it's like it's so important to practice writing because we practice our guitar and we do all that mm-hmm. and we like i don't know what practice might mean for each person but we definitely practice in some way and it doesn't always sound good and if it does sound good then you're not really practicing it's like you're you're yeah. waiting to be on that inspiration and um <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's cool to hear you saying that you're doing that because I think every serious songwriter should be. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, yeah, so the reason I know that you've been writing for a while is because, and you may or may not know this, I might have told you, but I used to be a total fanboy of your uh, first album when I was no. in, like when I was in college. I swear. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's funny the way it came around, right? Because uh, <laughs> the st- the story goes like this so i played in like a blues funk band right similar to the kind of vibe that your first record it was called open road i believe right that's right yeah yeah um so that one it was kind of similar vibe and we were covering um no diggy (laughs) yeah yeah and i I remember looking through the internet for like covers and no diggy and i came across yours and i was like oh man this is so cool that was like right down my road at the time i was like this is this is a shit so um, 
I let the band hear it and they were like, oh yeah, cool, nice. And then, so we came up with like our own kind of version inspired by the kind of take that you had done on it. And I remember whenever we played shows, we'd do that last and everybody just loved it. And um, <laughs> I always, that you were always a reference for that track. And I've had so many, so many great gigs with that band. It was years ago now uh, because of you, I guess. And that's That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's funny because what happened was I kind of gradually fell out of the phase of playing with that band and I stopped playing like exclusively blues music because that was all I'd done. I was like dedicated to that and then Mm -hmm. started exploring different avenues. And then I kind of just like forgot about the music that you had released. I'd just forgotten. And then about four years later, I'm not sure which came first, but one of us followed each other on Instagram and then that kind of connection was there and I was like, oh, cool. And then I think we might have had a few like sort of short chats via DM, but mm-hmm. it's cool to be sitting here now with someone who was like genuinely a huge inspiration for me when I was in college. <laughs> That's so weird. I, I definitely like I found you on Instagram. I was doing like a hunt for guitarist I was into and like I saw your clips and yeah, like you as a player, I was like your technique and approach is just fascinating to watch and like seeing, especially like for me, because I didn't I've don't know much about Instagram. It wasn't really where I kind of built my music on. So like, I didn't know that approach and you were really um, inspirational for me because I was seeing like how you were putting your videos together and what you were doing in terms of your clips and like your angles and everything and how long your content was. Like it was really educational for me. So like, (laughs) it's it's a really weird turn of events. (laughs) It's nice that we've managed to come together today on this uh, coronavirus Sunday (laughs) or it's a Saturday. Um, yeah <laughs> and and make a podcast but yeah no that that's that's pretty cool i'm glad you uh uh received something from me as well and yeah, yeah i think totally. what, what drew me into your your playing was that approach of like you knew how to like make a song good but also you could rip on the guitar and that's what i was into because i i don't know if you know like henrik freeschladder oh yeah 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 because he was like he was the man and then i found yeah. people sort of around him that i thought sounded not not similar, but they had the same approach of like they played like blues and sort of funky poppy stuff, but then they just rip and it was like, oh yes, that's what I liked. I really like that. Yeah, dude. But it's cool because I think from what I've seen, it seems like you've taken a little bit of, you've developed your music in a different way, it seems. Like I think you, you're still ripping mm-hmm. and all that, but it seems like it's a bit more about the song now. Is that is that the case? Yeah, th- totally. Like I think... For a, for a long while, I didn't enjoy singing. Singing wasn't one of my things. Like I never wanted to be a singer, and that was a huge obstacle for me because I I was kind of just singing to get by because it just was easier to manage myself as a singer. And I then I moved away. So I as my kind of blues career started kind of doing quite well. I kind of kicked back a bit, and I wasn't really happy. I think with the people I was with and the situation I was with, and I was like, right, I'm going to go to Toronto. I had an opportunity there to just work with someone and just kind of realign myself and i found a vocal coach that transformed my life and i'm actually getting lessons with her again uh, she's called amanda mabro uh, she's um just incredible uh, and like so it's funny yeah i reached out to her the other day and we're going to do some more lessons and that's when i started moving towards more songwriting because all of a sudden i felt comfortable with my voice and then i think like all my favorite guitar solos have always stemmed from an amazing song it's like the extension is of the you know, the solo is like the extension of the song. It's like Little Wing is incredible. Like Hendrix Little Wing. I love that because 
of everything about it. It's never just a guitar solo. Like my favorite yeah. guitar solo of all time is Sultans of Swing. I think it's just the right, best guitar yeah. solo. But it's the song as well. It's the atmosphere. It's everything about it. But that's what makes something poignant and move you. And, mm. you know, a 12 minute long guitar solo with no context of a song or meaning so that you can't get a journey or feeling like it, it doesn't do anything for me. And I think that's when mm. I wanted to move to that. And then, yeah, I think then I started peeling away from guitar solos and just focusing on riffs. And that's when my other rock band took over Raven Eye, which was a huge priority for me for years. And I kind of wanted to get that like dirty, heavy rock with some blues infused like creativity in terms of like still jamming and having fun. But yeah, it just kind of stemmed and yeah, it grew to be more about the song because I actually felt like I could sing a lot, a lot more confidently and have a lot more control of where I wanted to go. Cool. Was there a specific moment you remember where you're like, I think I can actually do this, the singing thing? Because I know there's been moments like that with guitar, like in certain like styles yeah. or whatever it may be. Can you remember a specific moment? Um, oh Man, yeah. I think it's probably when I was doing my demos at home because every time I'd, I, st I didn't do too much in terms of recording at home and like demoing, but all of a sudden when I was actually set up a situation where I could record myself and record myself singing, I didn't have someone in a control room saying, all right, next take, next take, with a bunch of other people in a room telling, you know, that does things to your psyche, your head. It's like red light fever is is a thing yep. and, and, it, and it's a huge obstacle. And I so I just, I think doing it more and more at home myself and recording my own vocals. I now record myself singing even on albums now. Like I, I'll always do it because I can be I'm oh, more really? faster. Yeah. I feel faster, I can quickly do my takes, I can comp myself, I know when I'm hitting stuff, and I don't have that fear of someone else listening and judging. Like it just bothers me in such an isolated environment. Wow. And I think, yeah, I think it was home recordings. Like I, I think it was a song called Supernova on the album uh, for Raven, I, uh, on Nova, I record. And there's a song called Supernova and it's a big ballad and I just kind of went for stuff because I was relaxed and I was like, oh, I can sing this high. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, what else can I do? Ah, wow, cool. That That's really nice to hear. I know, like, as a guitarist, I mean, I, I sing. I do sing. Like, part of my work is actually singing. But it's one of those things I find hard. I was speaking to my friend about this yesterday. I find it hard to, like, create stuff with my voice because I feel super self-conscious. I could happily sing mm. someone else's song. Like, I would do that fine. But for me, it's not, I don't think it would be the recording thing. Or maybe it would be, I don't know. Uh, but I think it's more actually getting out my own way creatively and be like, no, like you can <laughs> you, you can say these things, it's all right, and it's fine if they come from you. Because that's what I do on guitar, you know, everything I play is mm -hmm. supposed to come from that place. And yeah, I find it hard with the voice. I think it, I think it is like that. The, I was listening to a podcast with my vocal coach and she kind of said it in the best way. She's an amazing woman. And she explained the best way, like singing in public is kind of like, masturbating in public like <laughs> as i've seen as that like you are giving so much of yourself away you are being so raw and you're like letting everyone into this thing that no one else has ever seen and she wanted it far more far better than me yeah. but it's just the perfect analogy of like it's so different because there's so many variables that can affect you and like in your own head it's like i can kind of get away with stock licks if i'm struggling with a vibe of, of a live show I know I can go to certain things and I know I'll land them comfortably. With singing, the smallest thing can throw you off and it really, and once you hit that bad note, it's such an uphill climb. If you hit a bad note on guitar, I really couldn't care. 
but like there's yeah. something about people just heard me sing a note a bit flat and like what it does to your headspace mm. it, it's yeah it's hugely different <laughs> yeah you're very exposed like i think the way i think it is that the guitar is I like to think that it's an extension of myself, but it's very much separate. It's undeniable, right? It's a thing that I make music on that comes from me. But your yeah. voice is itself. It's yourself. And it's like you can't really hide it because it is you, you know? Whereas a guitar, you can kind of be like, oh, guitar's just a bit out of tune. Like, need to tune it off. Or, yeah. Well, so it's, it's like, like you're, you're very exposed. Yeah. And you can tart it up, you- but your voice is just like, I am here. <laughs> this is what it sounds like. And I have to work. <laughs> I imagine you had to work really hard on it because it's yeah it's an instrument that needs a lot of technique well i think it's like same with guitar like if you want to get to a certain ability like you want to learn to play faster or learn you know smoother techniques or different positions and where to approach it's the same with singing you have to treat it the same you, you know i would do for a long while i was doing breathing exercises every morning for half an hour to an hour just breathing because it's the biggest obstacle and just in just starting yourself as a singer because i think you take for granted your breath but actually mm-hmm how you breathe in and how you support yourself and how you let, you know, the air out when you're making notes makes a huge difference to the power and the control of the melody and your, and your voice as a singer. Yeah. I mean, I remember speaking to a singer about, um, sort of, she noticed it when I was trying to reach a high note that I'd lift my neck like naturally and like even just silly things like just keeping your, your chin straight, like the big, uh, it makes a huge difference. Um, yeah, it yeah does. I, I have very little vocal technique and it's funny the way I came into singing is because I mean I always sung when I was a kid like I, I enjoyed it but it wasn't something I took seriously and me and my dad would always like make up stupid songs and we'd be like scat singing in the back of the car and stuff um but <laughs> yeah like the actual introduction to singing was through it's actually through that funk blues band where I done backing vocals and I remember playing a show um and we were doing a song and I had to do back and vocals for the whole song. And it honestly felt like I was going to faint, man, because my breathing was so bad. <laughs> like, it was ridiculous. It was so hard. And then fast forward to about a year and a half ago, um, I've been doing like workshops with a company called Tinderbox that works sometimes with like uh, kids in, how would you say, deprived areas or like vulnerable mm-hmm. people. Um and part of that workshop, they gave me the opportunity to start doing stuff in the, the kids' hospital in Edinburgh. Oh, wow. Uh, and so for a year and a half, I've been going in every week, and I have to sing in those situations because, like, there's only so much you can do with your guitar that, like, can reach that audience. And yeah. so that that was how I got into singing. So I would consider my, my singing has been last... It's, it's been going for, like, a year and a bit, basically. But even in Amazing. that short space of time, like, I feel like so much more confident like I, I genuinely feel like i could sing in most situations because i am so exposed in a situation where other people are so exposed everybody's exposed <laughs> you're in a hospital singing yeah. to kids and babies and mums who are like holding their baby and it's like um it's really beautiful but i think that's really torn off a lot of the uh self um criticism that i might have had because the situation yeah. is about connecting and i think ultimately that's what music's about and if you can get to that in any approach that you're doing, whether that be singing or playing guitar or playing the bagpipes, then uh, <laughs> it, it makes it so much easier to just facilitate that experience for other people. Totally. And it's an incredible tool. Like I said, like I think, you know, for an amazing guitar solo, there has to be an amazing song behind it for that guitar solo to really reach people. And it takes, 
you know, a good melody, a good, you know, hook, you know, or, you know, lyric. It takes all those things to take people on that journey to set them all up. And, you know, there's even, you know, there's so many simple things with vocals to sing higher. It's more about the way you shape a vowel and like, you know, how you shape mm. ah to, you know, ah to air ah can get you actually a lot higher in your range and you're not really doing much different and having to, it's more just, it's same thing with guitar techniques and building a, the foundation of techniques is how you become better as a guitar player, the same way you can become better as a singer like that. It's, it's, it's such a huge difference. Yeah, maybe I'll need to take some vocal lessons for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you could teach me a few things. But yeah, so I'm I'm really curious, given the exposure to music I've or that you've created that I've got, is like maybe I only know one part of what you do. But what I'm curious about is how you got into playing guitar and doing music. Like where did that all start? It started um when I was twelve and I think I think at that point everyone's you kind of everyone around you is kind of finding the things they're good at at like school and stuff like that. And for me, I was I was kind of just I was fine. I wasn't like you know I was getting by with everything, but I wasn't really connecting with anything. And then a guitar teacher came in, like offering guitar lessons, and I think I, I, we did a twenty minute guitar lesson, and I got the James Bond theme tune, and I learned it r really quickly. And I was like, ah, oh, that was quite easy for me to do. And I think someone, the guy next to me, didn't couldn't learn it. It wasn't quite picking it up. And I was like, oh, hold on, maybe something's making sense for me here that isn't. And I think that really motivated me. Um, not that I'm competitive, but I think it just was like seeing that I was connecting with something so quickly. I was like, okay, I want to pursue this. So I just, from there, I got, I, I just, I got private lessons for a while, for a few years and had the teacher come to my house and they would do like an hour lesson. And I would only ever learn. So I have no the theoretical background. I didn't ever learn theory. I don't know. Um, I didn't want to learn scales. I found guitar solos I liked and asked my guitar teacher to kind of tab them out for me. And then from that, I would, um, after the lessons, I would just find guitar solos I liked. And then I'd stretch the audio out and slow it down and learn guitar solos I liked. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of would do it until I remember it. I never wrote it down. I always want to make sure I could just remember it by ear and just develop that knowledge so that I'm always, I, I have that memory retained not just written down in front of me. And I, yep. that's kind of how I developed my knowledge. And I got really lucky. I, I got invited to tour with an American band when I was 16 for two months um, in like Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska, <laughs> like central cool. USA. Like it was cool. I like we were in this rickety bus that it, sh it shouldn't have even been on the road. Like it was, we were going down and like, we're going through the Rockies down a mountain and he couldn't get the brakes to work. He was like riding the Ooh. handbrake to slow it down. Like, <laughs> it was, wow. But yeah. <laughs> and I think then I was like, I, I love this life. We're sleeping on floors and like, cause you're not meant to be in the bars. I was too young to be in the American bars. The police would come in I'd have to hide places. And wow. I just, I, I loved it. And I think then I was like, and that was all blues. So that really made me connect more to blues. So like, mm. Every evening, the there were amazing mentors. Like the lead singer of the band would sit me down after every gig and say, "You need to try this at the next show." Who'd make me watch videos of performers and say, "Look how they're walking and presenting." And like, we watched this Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary about like, bodybuilding, <laughs> like, and he would say like all the poses that he would do and all these physicalities. Like he's putting himself out there to to be this big personality. And, like that's what you have to do as a performer because you know, people listen with their eyes at the end of the day at a live show. They want to, 
see more than what they just hear on a CD. They want that like energy and that, you know, kinetic kind of excitement that you get from a live show. And they've mm. built all my foundations. I'm, I'm eternally grateful for everything they've shown me. What was the name of that band? The band's called Blind Dog Smoking. Cool. Blind Dog Smoking. Yeah. <laughs> They've only ever done the US and like they just kind of do this this small kind of scene. They um they ended up um getting a, a Grammy nomination for one of their records, which is amazing for them. And yeah, they're they're just wicked dudes. I keep in touch with them all the time. And they're doing this uh the lead singer and the bass player doing this amazing album of like the hist like like a an album of like the history of blues from like where it started all the way to like the British invasion and how blues is going now, but it's kind of like an album in a book form. So it's going to be this massive, massive, like huge feature album thing. It's taken them a long time to do, but they're going all across the world filming different cultures of where blues originated from. And it's fascinating. And I had the pleasure of being a part of it and it was, yeah, it's so exciting. That's awesome. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. It's super exciting. Damn, so you were chucked into the, the performance world at a very young age. I mean, young, I would say, like 16. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of when people start forming bands and like start playing out, I guess. But to go on tour in the States is like another thing. Like, when yeah, I was 16, was... I was... Um, wage was ass. Wage was ass. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, where was I in life when I was 16? I was in my last year of high school. Yes, I remember, and I definitely never toured the states. <laughs> yeah, it was cr- it was crazy. I was, I'm glad. I'm lucky my parents let me go out like by myself mm. to like tour this yeah, band. Yeah, that must have been huge for them, right? Like, I think how, how maybe did they trust you doing that. I, you know what? Maybe they were happy to get rid of me because there was like no like they were the ones who were saying go and do it. Like <laughs> maybe to like oh, wow. stop me playing guitar loud at the house or something. I don't know, but I think they they've always been uh, supportive of of my music which i think you know you know i'm lucky like i think you hear people kind of sometimes getting kicked back from parents and saying that you know maybe this isn't a career and like that and you know i i always had support but i also always like stuck my feet into everything like when it came to music like they knew i was dedicated because i was putting in my hours as and working as hard as i could so i think they knew that this was it for me (laughs) Mm. yeah i think uh, we often I actually thank my parents a lot. I do because really without their support and just letting me know that you can do this if you want to do it. Like, I don't know if it yeah. would have been, I don't know, sitting here right now chatting to you. Yeah. Same. I, I don't I, know. Like shout out to my parents. <laughs> yeah, shout out to our parents. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's it's, it's very lucky. Like very blessed. Yeah, so if you're young and listening to this and your parents even bought your guitar or whatever, like just just go and thank them again because it really does. Yeah. Uh, it changed my life and I couldn't have been happier with that first really crappy Strat copy that I got. Like, it, it changed my life. Shout yeah. out to the, uh, <laughs> the Aria STG series guitar that my dad got for about 100 quid. Nice. Um, I was a, a, a glittery silver Yamaha Pacifica is what I got. Oh, nice. <laughs> I know, I don't know why I went for glit- silver glitter. <laughs> right, nice. No, I just, um, Jimi Hendrix, sort of like, I think that's why my dad got me the white one. It was like a white strat. And then eventually when oh, I was nice. a bit older and had some money, I bought like the American standard version. And I've still got that guitar to this day. I love it. But yeah, wow. you play, like, uh, when I first came into your music, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure you played a strat, no? Yeah. Or have you? Yeah. 
cool. Yeah. And so nowadays, I pretty much only see you playing SGs. Is that <laughs> how's that happened? Like, what, what's I, the process behind you getting from Strat to SG? It, you know what? Um, when I started, I always really wanted an SG, and then I finally went to a guitar shop to play one. I really didn't like it, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna move on. And then um, my band Rave and I, we just went in to record our um, second full album. We were in um, Mono Valley in Wales, which is, a, which is a wicker studio. It's like a, and, but I just sold a lot of my gear because um, I kind of came off the road to really put my time into the rock band, which meant I wasn't really gigging as much. So I needed to get money in for, uh, you know, <laughs> to pay bills. <laughs> so I sold a lot of my gear, which was, you know, it's always gonna be a mistake, but I didn't have a choice. And I reached out to a, a, an amazing friend of mine and he's a, just a wicked dude is at Tim Mills from bare knuckle pickups. Um, oh, cool. like, it, yeah, like I've, we spoke before and like, I went to Falmouth, I was camping in Fal like near Falmouth and I reached out as I, like, Hey, I'd love to meet you. Cause I bought the pickups. I've been using their pickups for years. just as a fan, I was like, could we meet up? And, we ended up hanging out and talking a bunch and we ended up, I went in and, you know, helped produce his band, uh, to Ruin and like, we just had this wicked relationship. So I kind of asked him, I was like, look, I haven't got any gear. Like, could I borrow some guitars and amps? And so I took my van down and he just like, <laughs> like, let me borrow like Les Pauls, like all these custom guitars, strats, different tallies and at this and he like he said, oh, this SG, I'm not really that into it, but like it might give you a cool sound. And he gave me a, a bunch of cool amps and we went in the studio and started laying stuff down. And I think like, cause all the demos were like, I always do demos really full on, full production, everything. So oh, we were wow. kind of going to the studio to record the parts again. So I already knew what sounds I was going for. And then we would, I always do guitar shootout. I'll never pick, I'll never pick a guitar because I like that guitar. I want the best sound, I think. For a record, I don't think it matters what you play. If the guitar sounds right for the song, that's more important for me. I'm not precious Absolutely. about it being my my baby. I want the song to sound as good as it can. This SG just blew everything out of the park for this one song. We're like, cool, that was a cool vibe. Next song, SG. The next song, SG. And all of a sudden, the whole album, the foundation was this SG. And it just it kept on winning. And it's a... 73 uh sg standard um with um bare knuckle pickups in it and i said to him i started looking on like reverb.com and like trying to find like 73 sgs and i think tim just kindly said like you know i don't use this i'd much rather it being used and he made a clearly made a connection with it and you know so he let me buy it off him and i can't put it down <laughs> wow that's that's awesome man i think some records just need a certain sound and as much as you may be like some people might be endorsed by a certain company who give them you know their their main instrument but that's not always what you need it's like sometimes you yeah. just need a, an sg instead of your fender guitar or whatever it may be and yeah yeah you gotta like work for the song not for the i guess like the i don't know what you think might be cool it's like, your your ego like in a yeah. in a way like i always like with, with songwriting i always look at the song as being above me and that whatever i'm doing every decision i make is always serving the best for the song it doesn't matter what you know if someone else comes in with an idea and says i think this is better i won't go well that's not my idea i want to go well is this helping it be more exciting is the arrangement you know benefiting from this and and yeah it's amazing what happens when you take yourself out of the song and kind of let things help 
you know, create this thing to be such a, a bigger piece than you imagined. Yeah. So you've obviously been taking songwriting quite seriously. And yes. you said, <laughs> I don't know if we got this on the recording, but you'd said that you spend a lot of time in your home studio just recording. It doesn't matter if it's something that you think's like, um, I don't know, the best thing you've ever created or it came from inspiration. You're just trying to get stuff through the pipeline. And yeah. what does that process look like for you? Is it a daily kind of thing or is it a weekly thing? Do you set goals? Like what's the process? It's it's a daily it's a daily thing. Like I, I definitely when it comes to making a record, like say for, for Raven Eyes album, the rock band um that I'm in, like for the album that we just recorded, I wrote about sixty songs. There were sixty songs that were good to go. And then we knocked them down to eleven because I just I like eleven tracks from an album. I think any more I think is more costly and i think the way record music's con music's consumed now i don't think it's necessary to do a longer record you might as well just put another record out um so now like i i don't ever wait for inspiration i think we talked a little bit about this before um we started as well like i don't want to wait for inspiration because i think it's just it, it's a i don't know it's a bit of a crux i think if you're kind of constantly waiting to be inspired i think you won't get the best out you'll get a good idea out and then be waiting again and i'd much rather just write every day and try and come up with something because i think through bad ideas you might get a cool middle eight or you might get a section that you're like this is actually a good part and then i take it to another song and that, i mean that's happened so many times now like we wrote uh one of the songs actually the leading single for the raven eyes song uh raven eyes album was just me messing around at the end of the song that was just awful I was like, God, you know, we just finished writing this song. I was like, this song sucks. Maybe we'll just put this riff at the end of it. And all of a sudden, a whole new song came out of it. And right. I think, so I'm always really strict. Like, I'll always kind of write some guitar idea down. And then what I'll do is I'll kind of record it to a click and get the good tempo. And then I'll write the drum parts down. So I use um, Get Good Drums, Modern Massive. Um, right. It's quite a rock drum sound. It's It's very built for just rock drums but you can kind of melt it out by using the velocity on like through midi on logic mm. um but i always try and write intricate jump parts and then loop it and i always find that's when the inspiration really kicks in all of a sudden you've got like some heavy drums behind you and then Ooh. i'll start then i'll start writing choruses or writing other sections and i'll always once i've kind of got a good guitar idea i'll write the drum parts in and then I'll play the guitar licks again and guitar rhythms again and see if that sparks off something else. And I'll always fire off between me and the fake drummer, I guess. And where do lyrics come into this? Lyrics always come at the end for me. Um, I'll always write, um, so I'll usually sing gibberish when I'm trying to create a song. So my mm. priority is melody. I want good melody. And so for a long while, I'll just kind of, I'll sing some melodies and rhythms. So like, I think the interplay between melody and rhythm is really important in keeping a song interesting. Um, so I'll just focus on kind of what melodies I'm going for and vocal rhythms to make sure that this kind of it's moving along because I think the counterplay and rhythms helps just move things in a different way and stop things become predictable, like following the same rhythmic structure and a, and a vocal part on every verse gets a bit dull. And I think that kind of way of consuming music is it becomes a bit predictable. Um, so I always try and prioritize just writing melody and rhythms when it's coming to it. But like, I mean, all my demos right now, it's just me making up words and putting things together. Sometimes it becomes the song. Like sometimes it's like one lyric that comes out. It's like, oh my God, that's the song. Like that's what I should write about. Yeah. 
Cool. But yeah, and then like I'll just sit, like I have a little notebook beside of my bed, this little green book, and that like at the end of the night, sometimes if I'm in the mood for it, I'll kind of just write one lines out, loads of little lines, and just if it comes a lyric, great. But I'm just trying to keep that kind of idea of creating lyric and you know content in my head, just so it's there. And if I ever want to, I can kind of reach out for it because I, wow. I can't I can't write lyric on computer or like anything digital. It has to be. All my lyrics are written on books uh, mm. and by hand. It's not the same typing it. And I like I was speaking to someone about there is something different in the chemicals that spark off in your head when you write something on paper versus typing something because it's connecting the brain to your hand to do to write it. So I just it's the person's been to explain it a lot better, but there is something beneficial to writing on paper. So and mm. I, and that was before I even knew about that. So I was like, that's why I'm going to keep doing it. Do you use blue ink? Black ink. I can't black stand ink. blue ink. <laughs> so I, I, I do much prefer black ink. However, when I was studying in high school, um, I don't know if this was like some self-research thing I'd done or someone told me, but it was about how you retain information better with blue ink. No way. Yeah. Oh, don't so, don't like, start. You I'm, got me on blue ink. <laughs> yeah, give it a try. It's not as nice, but whenever I'm writing these notes for the podcast, I always use blue ink. It's wow, like it's, a, it's a it's a decision I make. It's like because if I I don't know if you can see this, you won't see it on the podcast. But like there's yeah, black ink for something that was like making plans, and then blue ink for podcast stuff and another podcast. Yeah, and if I'm ever like I don't know studying or like taking a lesson, it's like I try and remember to use blue ink. I don't know if it's some sort of placebo wow. thing, but uh, I I don't know. I learned it when I was younger, and I just kept doing it. That's fascinating. You, de- I'm gonna have to try blue ink now. <laughs> uh, maybe do some research first, because you might just be wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, the placebo effect is a thing. I don't mind that. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, in that case, uh, use red ink. It's even better. <laughs> white, that's, white that's, ink. You're getting wet. A white ink. Yeah. <laughs> you remember things did really well. Did you ever well have one ink. of those? Yeah. Did you ever have one of those pens when you were younger that you wrote in white ink? And you had to shine a torch on it to see that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> should do all your lyrics and that should be all the new lyrics <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, well that's it i think like it's funny about writing it i i had no idea about the blue ink thing i definitely look at that though because i really can't stand blue ink so <laughs> yeah <laughs> give it a try but yeah so you're writing daily is there anything that kind of because i know for me like doing anything creative daily can get taxing and yeah there are some things I've found that definitely help. For example, it could be meditation or like, this is kind of a weirder thing that I like to do is that I like to change my room about, like literally move stuff oh, about wow. and have a different setup. And I find it just inspires me to create something different for whatever reason. Because mm. I, I, I spend a lot of time with my ass here at this desk, whether it's teaching or yeah. working on music. It's like I spent all my bloody time here. And um, <laughs> it can get a bit sort of like... If you think about the people who like have office jobs, they must walk in and see the same thing for a year, two years, maybe their whole life. Yeah. And even just like switching one wee thing up can probably make a difference. And so for me, it's like I've tried nearly every corner. I mean, there's only four corners, but I've tried the corners that are available uh, with this <laughs> desk just to change the vibe up. Um, so I guess I went a bit too long on that, but I was going to ask you, are there any things that you find help you? with this creative process whether it's exercise or drinking more water 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really bad at this. So I'm I'm I've made my room look nice. Like I have like a nice like back like drop in front of me and like cool like fairy lights. I've got Himalayan salt lamp. I've kind of got things that kind of just give me a bit more of a vibe. A good blackout curtain when I really want to kind of get dark. I am I have to keep a book um for my hours because I don't when I'm writing I tend not to drink or eat properly and do anything else. So I have re I'm really bad at regulating myself because when I'm in, I I can just be in the whole day and it I won't come out. Um, even when I'm stuck, um, if I really get stuck, like I try, I do exercise. So I you know I do a good hour a day anyway of exercise. But um, other than that, I'm trying to make I'm trying to now hold myself accountable to do other things because I think. I'm lucky that I, I'm I'm really strict to myself. I'll just do it, and I think that's the one exciting thing about making writing songs and trying to make them sound good while you're writing them, is that it's constantly inspiring you. Like double tracking guitars, thinking of another layer, you know, doing a bit of mixing with it, like making the drum sound a bit more exciting. I think those kind of things keep me excited because it sparks off new ideas. All of a sudden, instead of just doing, you know, one, you know twinkling guitar and a bit of a bass sound and drums like going all right this is the foundation how can i make this more exciting all of a sudden other things going and, and my room set up up in a way that i have um i just use ik multimedia's amplitude 4 i think it's great for demos yeah. i can just plug in and play and i've kind of got my presets all saved for when i want to get certain sounds i've made everything as streamlined as possible um so i can just like all my drums set up i have my buses for like drum reverbs and all these kind of things so if i really want to go for it i can but i'll just i'll just lock in i'd love to um yeah i i, I now have to find ways of pulling myself out because not eating properly or drinking definitely after a few days of that <laughs> it is not good for me yeah no i i think what you're talking about there is the the state of flow that you can't escape and when you yeah. get in there, it's like the, the day goes by. And I, I hope everybody listening has experienced that in one way or another in their life. But I think what people sometimes don't realize, um, how do I say this politely? It's like, say, I, don't, I live with my girlfriend, right? And maybe she really wants to clean the flat or something on like a Sunday evening. And I get into like <laughs> writing and it's like, it's so hard to bring myself out of that. It's like, and oh, yeah. sometimes people just, I mean, she understands, but like I can imagine other people don't understand. And yeah. if you've never been in that situation, it's just like, imagine having tunnel vision and just being like, this is all I can do and I have to do it because like it's, yeah. it, it's hot and it needs to get done. And if mm -hmm. I don't get it done now, it's like the moment's going to be gone and tomorrow is a new day, you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's, just it's gotta, hard. Like, get into it. It's so hard. You're, you're totally right. Like, I mean, I, I put my phone in airplane mode and put it face down. I turn emails off, like all of those things, like they stay out the room. Like I don't want to, I don't look at Instagram. I don't need to look on Facebook or any social media. Like the second you, you introduce those things in your, your writing or your creativity, you are out. And you, you know, it's, it, it really is an, it is important to be due diligent with yourself. And if you're going to write, then commit yourself to an hour or, uh, you know, at least an hour to go, I'm just doing that. And it feels, maybe it feels hard at first, but doing those kind of things, it definitely makes a huge difference. Like definitely like, cause I've been trying to up my social media game a bit, which I'd love to talk to you about as well. Um, so I'm mm, being yeah. more frequent with it. I really struggle with it. Um, 
But like, I'm definitely noticing now I'm kind of, oh, I need to reply to comments. I'm like, I'm being a bit more on it. And I was like, okay, I need a break because it's now affecting my, like my mindset a bit. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't what I'm about. I, right now I need to be in the zone and it makes a huge difference to productivity, creativity, you know, writing and like the speed I'm writing and how I put things together. It's, it's affected, it's affected it. And, you know, I was like, okay, cool. I'm aware of it. So I can kind of pull myself back into it, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a huge thing to kind of be focused. And I think trying to explain to people and, and like, especially like people that don't understand, like you said, you got your partner that understands. And I think when people understand where you're in tunnel vision, that they've kind of got to leave you to it. It's, it's amazing. But if people don't understand it, it can be quite, it can be quite an obstacle and it can, it can affect relationships. Like, and if you feel like you're going to be getting into those modes, if there's people that are in your circle, it's worth telling them or giving them a heads up and saying, Hey, today, just so you know, I'm not ignoring you, but I'm going to be in, I'm going to be locked away for a while. So it's not that I'm ignoring you, but I need respect to know that I'll get back to you, but I need the respect to be left alone so I can do this because I need this. I'm a creative. This is my mindset. This is who I am. Like, I'll give you your time, but I need you to give me my time to put into this. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's so important just to know that, like, you'll come back from it as well. You know, you're not going to spend <laughs> the rest of your life on the computer, like, editing music. Yeah. But, I, again, I, we spoke about this briefly at the beginning. One thing that's helped me tremendously in the last year, year and a half, is having a hobby other than music. Because when yep. I was younger... Before I'd done uh, any music, I played football, and that's all I'd done. And I was really good at it, and we got scouted. And me and I've got a twin brother, and we both got, like, scouted into, like, the top team in the first division, and we were doing really great. Wow. And then it got too serious, and I stopped that. And then between then and a couple of years, I just didn't do anything. And then I went through a weird phase where I went to the gym, like, six days a week, like, proper hardcore, and uh, then that lasted about three or four years, actually. And then I stopped. And then I had this period where I'd never done anything. All I'd done was music. And it was obviously very beneficial. But then now I'm sitting in a place where I'm like, it's so important to have something other than music to do. And yeah. for me, it's rock climbing. And it's funny, I was saying to someone yesterday, it's like, when I do music, it's like something that brings me straight into the moment. And it's just me and the music. And that's the most important thing. And rock climbing's kind of the same. If I yep. stop thinking and fall off a tiny wee crimp halfway up, well, you know, you can hurt yourself. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just something that takes like all my attention. Things that I'm interested in tend to take up all my energy. It's like <laughs> I need to be there for it. I need to show up. Yeah. I don't like half arsing it. But But rock climbing is amazing for that. Like that's why I loved rock climbing. I think we talked about it. Like I think I was going a bit too strong, so I think I wasn't being aware of my grip. So that's why I I kind of kicked back away from it, but I loved going in there, like looking at the climbs and like figuring out your climb and just being in there. And you could be in there for hours and lose track of the time. And it's amazing to like then come back to create or come back to be, you know, musical again after like letting go. Like, so there's no little things in the corner of your mind thinking about, oh, this lick or oh, this melody here. And like once those things are removed completely from your head, it's like, if someone just hit the reset button, like you've just turned your computer off and turned it back on again, it's like, oh, I know how to work again and function again. Like it's, it's massive. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other things you're doing right now that give you that sense of sort of escape in a way? I think, I think, no, I think that's something I need to do a bit more again. I think, so I got, I got a, 
I used to be a massive gamer, like to a whole other level. Like I was on World of Warcraft, cool. writing, writing guides for everyone on how to be like Death Knights and stuff like that. <laughs> like, I don't know what a Death like... Knight is, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was full on. And then I was like, all right, I'm way too obsessed. So I stopped playing games, but I got a PS4, like I think in December, because I was kind of really getting into that writing space game. And I was like, I need something to pull myself away. Um, I, I haven't played it, <laughs> so uh, oh, wow. that's not really yeah, that's not really helped. Um, but I think uh, now we talk about rock climbing again. Obviously, now with coronavirus being the way it is, we're all going to be inside, so I won't be able to do that. Um, I exercise a lot, which is definitely a huge help for me, kind of taking myself away. But I I was doing boxing for a while, but same thing. Like my wrists, I, like started getting a little bit twingy, right. and I think when it comes to because we were touring a lot and anything that I don't think I could ever forgive myself that would have to stop at all because I've commit like done an injury from something that isn't related to music. Um, yeah. So it's it's a hard it's a hard game to play because I think a lot of the things I like are more extreme things. Like I love snowboarding. Like I always kind of done more physical things, and now I am more aware that I shouldn't be doing them. So mm. I don't know. I, I definitely need to get myself into another hobby. Maybe like I don't know what's safe. Bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I love birds so like <laughs> well there <laughs> you go right. maybe that's it yeah I used to have my whole bedroom was painted had different kinds of birds painted all around my whole bedroom when I was a kid like super wow. obsessed uh, hence the band Is... name Raven Eye like, yeah I was, I was gonna say obsessed. there must be a link there right yep yep ah. I, I, I love yeah a little I was a little ornithologist when I was a kid and I think I've, that's yeah <laughs> yeah maybe I'll need to yeah. call my like my next project like um 8B crack climb inspired by climbing. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch out for the crack there. You might attract, you know, attract different kind of customers and clientele from that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a good, good marketing opportunity. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, maybe. So I have a question for you. Mm, so hey. like, I know you, like, I, I, I'm curious, like your Instagram has been amazing to watch. And I think like as a guitarist, like I've, always built mine from a completely different platform like mine's been more about gigging and, and touring and trying to like push records and your thing has been so fascinating to watch because your following and the, the community you have around your instagram has been amazing to watch and like what made you kind of start your steps towards doing something as incredible as like your instagram like what what made you start sharing all those kind of videos and doing those tutorials? Like, what got you kind of into that? Uh, to keep it simple, I guess, is the when I started going to uni, I was 17. And at the time, I told you, it was just like playing blues. That's really all I was into. I mean, before that, mm. there was like the Joe Satriani sort of period. But then when I found something that was like, oh, I think I like this. I feel like I can express myself. It was blues music. And that led me into exploring improvisation a bit more because it's obviously a big part of the genre. And there wasn't something I'd done much of before until I started getting into playing the blues. And because I was in university, obviously there's certain things that kind of push on you, like maybe music theory being one of them. And I started to learn how to like create ideas using certain theoretical approaches maybe. And I remember thinking, oh, I've just created something really cool here. How do I document it? And I'd never, like, done many videos of myself playing online. I'd done a little bit of YouTube, but nothing serious. Mm -hmm. And I'd just downloaded Instagram, or I'd been using it for a while, like, 
I don't know, I just I always enjoyed taking photos. When I look back, they were absolutely awful. But <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll just pop the video here. I didn't really think anything of it. It was more just like this is going to become potentially a practice diary that I can upload to. Don't really care if yeah. anybody sees it. Like, you know, if I get 10 likes, that's amazing. Great. I'll, uh, that's, that's fine. But it yeah. wasn't about that. It was just about putting my ideas out somewhere. And, you know, I was still playing shows and very much like an active musician in the community as well. And then I just very, very, very slowly, I started seeing that there was actually a scene, like an online scene, like an online yeah. music scene. And I don't know, I just kind of started speaking to people and it wasn't a big thing at the time on Instagram. And eventually it became much bigger. But it took like... Between the, that initial idea and being like, oh, I'm going to document stuff to thinking, oh, I could market myself on here. That was a, that was yeah. probably about a year. And then after that, oh, wow. it took about a year to get to a thousand followers. Like it took so long wow. to build an audience of even that many, which people can get in a day now. And um, yeah, after that, I was like, all right, there's a thousand people here. That's actually pretty cool. Right. Yeah. You know, like some of our friends' bands have like a thousand likes on Facebook and all that, but it's like that's a thousand people who may or may not care about my music that I'm doing. But there's <laughs> definitely at least thirty people in there who do. <laughs> and I thought, all right, well, I've managed to reach this. What if I start thinking about marketing? Like actually thinking about techniques and like how to get myself out there a bit more. And once I'd done that, I says to myself I can't remember what number I was at. I might have got to like 3K or something. I says to myself, I'm going to challenge myself. I've got a year to get to 10,000, right? Just as an okay. exercise. I've done it in about three months. No way. I swear, man. Like Amazing. And uh, was, that, was that from like where you, like was it in hashtags for you or were you kind of following trends and commenting? Like what was your kind of, no. what I, were I, you kind of going for? Yeah, so I was, I've was i never ever done any of the spam and sort of like leaving comments just for the sake of it or like following and all that crap. Uh, mm -hmm. So for me, it was mostly just about, I wanted to attract people to my playing. That was the thing. I didn't want to do it in a way that was like sort of cheating or anything like yeah. that. And so I was just trying to put out content every day. I'd spend a Sunday evening recording and I'd get maybe like 10 videos recorded and I take about wow. four photos, and that's enough content for well, fourteen days at least. Yeah. And so I'd be, I'd have stuff scheduled, and I'd like it was a job, man. But I was at uni, so I had time to do it. Amazing. And I just treated it like really seriously, and eventually, you know, the numbers kind of kept growing. But most importantly, the community started to grow, and I became mm -hmm. part of that. And mm. the people I am now like I have relationships with, like it wouldn't have happened any other way. And I'm just so, so grateful for these kind of things that have come because of it. It's amazing. It's just incredible. But yeah. And then obviously it's, it's great because people, you know, they, they see what you're doing and maybe they're inspired or they want to like send you stuff or like whatever. Well, it I mean, be and... you're an amazing player. Like, I mean, that's a huge part of it. Like, I mean, people could put up content every day, but like you have, you know, you're, phenomenal player like, i think your approach on improvisation is fascinating to watch like i oh, like some, some some of the stuff you put in is kind of like got that john Schofield vibe of like 
playing, which I'm massively into. Like, oh, cool. I, like I really like your phrasing is yeah, fascinating. So like, but it always it always looks nice. Like I think you've always presented your videos really well. Like the angles, like the quality of the footage is really good. And mm. like you know, I like for me like I'm I'm now just kind of going into. I, especially now with coronavirus, I think are changing a little bit for touring. Like as a band, we were meant to be touring in May. We postponed the tour in May anyway to be right. um, later in the year. Um, but I mean, <laughs> at this point of time, I don't, uh, we have no idea when we're going to be going out or when public gatherings are going to be a thing again in the UK, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a, a kind of a, a ter- terrifying prospect for, you know, touring bands and, you know, what we're, what we're doing. So I think, I think every every artist, every musician now is changing their changing their game a little bit. Like a lot of people are now yeah. doing online tuition, like a lot of things live streaming and all these kind of things. And it's gonna be a very like full on market soon, I think. There's gonna be a lot of people yep, definitely. going on there. It's um it's no it's really kinda of, it's cool to see people using it. And I do I don't want to sound bad here, but I'm like kind of proud of myself that I actually got onto the online thing, like teaching online like five years yep. ago and people are just trying yep. to like work it out. But the cool thing that's come out of this is that I can help people do that. You know, I'm getting lots of messages, people asking, how do you teach online? And oh, I'm wow. always happy to help. And I'm actually in the process of helping uh, like this organization work out how they can teach online to all their students. So I'm hoping that's I can help. Amazing. I can help people here. That's what I'm aiming for. I think that's wicked. Like, I think that's the thing Like your community and everything you built up there. I think you've built something which is one incredible to watch, but also incredible for you as a career and what you've set up because these kind of things, you know, this could happen again or like, you know, there's different, you've kind of protected yourself and you've got yourself in a way that you're, you're teaching, you've got all these things and hit this exposure to a point, which is just incredible because you've supported yourself and got yourself to a position where you are secure. And that like, I think a lot of musicians, I think we're seeing now, and it's not a bad thing, but taken for granted that we'll always be able to tour. We'll always be able to kind of go out and perform and do these things. And then all of a sudden this is taken away. Oh, I have to teach now. And I think teaching is a very different discipline. And Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast that I'm with Jack, but if you haven't just check out that and you'll hear my opinion on like teaching. <laughs> <laughs> no, like controversial. <laughs> Uh, it may be depending on what you were just going to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like, cause I think a lot of people are going out like, I really, I'd love to do vocal teaching. Um, I'm, I want to do guitar teaching as well, but I, I know a lot about guitar. My thing is in theory. So I'm t- tailoring courses and trying to figure out the way that I can explain things in the way that may, like for me, I use a thumb pick and I had, when I started using a really? thumb pick, yeah, exclusively. Like, oh wow, for, I, I don't know how I've never noticed. For Damn. like 12, 12 years, yeah, I've been exclusively a thumb pick. And I remember like the first few years, I had all these things that I would do, and that's kind of one of the things that I was going to go through. I started. Th- I was thinking, well, for me, my biggest transformation was as a singer. So I really wanted to reach out to do teaching as a singer, um, like how to get yourself from just yelling to singing with melody and understanding your breath. So I reached out to my vocal coach. I was like, hey, look, I want to start doing some teaching stuff, like. I love to know your thoughts. And then she sent me podcasts, books, and all these things to listen to. And I was like, yeah, this is a whole different world that yeah, I'm ready to get ready to get into, but it's a different discipline and a different mindset to get in. Yeah, it is. But I think 
the reality is that if you know more than the student, you can always teach. That's as simple as it is. Yes. As I'm not saying that's the way I think people should approach it. But mm-hmm. there are other things in our conversation that I'm way more like interested in as well. Like that you could, I'm imagining you could teach in some way. And you've been writing songs for longer than I've been playing guitar probably. And it's like, there you go. Like... Yeah, you, t- you talk like I, about how you produce people's bands and you write songs every single day, and that's super serious. You know how to make a song, like you really do, and thank you. those are skills that can be passed on, whether it's one-to-one tuition or if it's a master class. You know, well, that's what I've. So I've I've got screen recording software. So I've kind of been. So I wanted to do this a while ago, like before um, the coronavirus was a a thing. Like this year, I kind of was speaking to a person about setting up some courses online that are a little bit different and like so i got screen recording software and this has kind of pushed me to do it a bit faster now because <laughs> i definitely can't tour um but i was like i wanted to do about songwriting because i think when i think it just there's a lot of basic foundations that you can do to you know inspire yourself a lot more like writing drum parts and if you know how to just draw drum midi it's quite easy but if yeah. you get it sounding good it's fun to play too but yeah it's it's it, yeah it's something i'm really excited to get into but i think it is amazing seeing like how the the musical climate's going to change drastically for artists all around the world. And we're just seeing the start of it. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a really, really weird time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, we're all hoping that this won't last and that we can get outside and play again because that's how music is. uh, That's kind of what the point is sometimes I think like it can be a a, a solo sort of pursuit, but I think it's best experience shared music and yeah yeah I I just want to play like now like it's only been a week <laughs> or something since I played with someone but I just yeah like even the rock climbing it's the, it's the idea like knowing that I can't do it that I'm not allowed to yeah. like go to the gym and that there's nothing happening in venues right now it's like more yeah. that, it's not even that it's happening right now because I could deal with that. That's fine. It's knowing that it might not be happening. It's scary. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like we're having to stay self-isolate here for um, like another 10 days because like I've been having a cough for the past four days and we're like, look, it's all right. It, it's not worth, I don't feel like I've got anything, but we've also been told and suggested to that if you have a cough, like I don't want to be, I don't want to go out and mm. do those basic things and it's not worth it. It's selfish. Like it's, I know. it. But it's weird, like we we just did a grocery shop and um I I've had from like click and collect, whatever like that. I've just had half of all the stuff that I booked last week completely gone. And like luckily we've got good neighbors here, so they mm. kind of just did a food run for us to get a few other things because we we have I don't want to ever stockpile. I think it's the worst thing you could do. So like I was always trying to be smart, like get enough for a week and then do another week, and I still won't do anything but that because you know mm. I, I, but it's difficult in lockdown like can't go out it's like that's the you know but luckily you know good neighbors it kind of looks after us here but it is it is weird like, i know what you're saying like i want to go out and play like we've, i've got studio time booked next month and you know i don't know what the climate's going to be there but hopefully because it's just us we'll be able to go in and just just do it if the guy's okay with it and everything like that because mm. yeah, yeah i've got an i've got an album to finish like i've got i'm finishing um there's seven songs are finished i've got four more to record but i want to write another 12 and then pick those i had a lot of songs written a lot of songs written i recorded seven that i 
felt fit the right vibe. And then I was like, okay, now I need to rewrite a whole bunch more songs in that context to make sure it like really has a powerful kind of co cohesiveness to it. Mm, nice. I just want to go back short quickly on something is the, uh, uh, how you were interested in making more content like to teach. And have you ever considered even just doing like live streams of like your songwriting process? It might not be the space you spend in the mornings where it's like really focused or when it, whatever time it is, but it might be another time where you put an hour aside and you just from zero to finish song in an hour, you know, like really just try. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be a That's really a cool YouTube series. And I know people have done it before, but you've not done it. No, I, I, it's really fun. Like I, I've been scared about doing that because sometimes like <laughs> if it comes out and it's a really bad song, you're like, oh no, like what have I done? But like, so I, I, cause I, I had a really good day. Um, like on Thursday I wrote like three really good songs. I was like, this was a, like a magic day. I made them, I, I'm speaking someone, I made the mistake. I should have written down how, I, how my day started. Like I, I, that's the one thing that was a really interesting lesson I learned is like, if you're having a good day songwriting or something's working, you should break down that day of how it started, what you ate, what you did, everything up to that point and what you did during that point. So then you know what was sparking in your head, like all this good chemicals that are going in your brain that made this happen. I think being aware of that, all of a sudden you could be like, well, I'm going to do this again. And you know, that might help. And, and it's, and since then I've been like fighting it. It's always been like a struggle to get one song down, but I still write it down. I'll still finish it and do everything. And, so after that day, I was like, oh, I could actually film this. I think I'm ready to do a live stream. And then the next few days of like, okay, song after okay, song. I'm like, mm, not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, that's like, that's not how you want to start. Like, you don't want to start with like a crap one. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what is being an artist, you know? Like yeah. I've put out stuff, if I look back, even like a couple of weeks, there's stuff I probably put out that I'm like, eh, like that's not the best thing ever but it's fine it's part of your story as like a creative and yeah, yeah. you want you want to start with a, a bang and like get get it going but it's you're a human and i think people enjoy seeing humans not not seen as fail but it's like it's okay to like show that the creative process isn't always fine and dandy because it's not yeah Most i think the that's the not I, <laughs> I think that's the great thing about social media that is it's broken down this barrier of like the smoke and mirrors that artists are just like these otherworldly people it's so like it's such a nice thing that you can just be yourself and that's what people want to see in the first place and like same thing with like our band as as an ethic like as our thing we were never going to be we're not like raw goofballs like we're not really going to be the because we're a hard rock band we're not going to be scared like heavy looking dudes that just look miserable for everything like all interviews are quite loud and obnoxious and like not in a jerky way but just like this is just us like we want, i want to be like that and we've always been honest with our content and yeah like you know maybe you're like it'd be an interesting thing to do like i've i've procrastinated on it a bit because i've been I, I wanted to get the writing done again because i was going in to record uh next month so my plan is to just write seven more songs and then once i've got that i'll then be going back into work but i am going to take a break from writing today i've done a lot of writing so i'm going to do a bit more um just more researching today and just a bit more studying for and um, the courses that i'm creating at the moment cool i would love to talk to you about that when you've got some ideas i'm always happy to help really yeah i'd, I'd love to reach out to you on that man I would, yeah i'd really appreciate it yeah i i just think it's you we're, we're in a cool time where mm. 
in a way, anything's kind of possible. Like, you can do what you want because the online is just like this marketplace that is open for anything. You could sell used socks. You could sell guitar lessons. <laughs> you know, it's like there's there's so many things in between those two that you could do. And if you want to start doing live streams where you're dressed as a unicorn, then I'm sure someone will buy into it. You know what I mean? It's like there's something for everybody out there. And uh, I actually think there is a guy that does streams dressed as a unicorn. Probably. I can't remember his, I can't remember his name but he's like a like a sales like he's about copy he's about copywriting for like pitch like pitch work and stuff like that and he actually his unicorns are his thing wow, <laughs> you, wow. There's, you, like, it, there already is that market <laughs> oh well let's try something else <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back to the drawing board yeah all right I'm gonna have to put the unicorn hat down <laughs> and yeah. try something oh, new. Well. <laughs> where um where do you live Ollie where are you right now not your street, I am Milton. Like... <laughs> yeah, I live in Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes, cool. So you're kind of yeah. like, that's closer to Scotland, right? Kind of? It's, uh, yeah, like, it's it's still a pretty ways away. Like, it's like like an hour, like hour and a half north of London. So it's got it's still a pretty hefty trip to Scotland. Yeah, I guess. Um, but Milton Keynes is good. It's good for touring because it's like, it's quite central for the, like, for England. So like, I can come home most nights and we're close to the airport. So when we're on oh. tour, it's, it's cheap because we'll drive home most nights until we go to Europe. Then obviously driving home would be a bit of a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Wait until we've got jetpacks. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. That's like, the dream. Guitar bag, like jetpack. Oh, <laughs> Off to the gigs. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I've seen, um, I'm interested in what your opinion on this is just generally. So, uh, where was I? I was in Poland a couple of months ago and in the UK we're as it stands, we're not really allowed to have electric scooters. You know, like those little like uh like boosted board like scooter type things. Yeah. And um I tried one in Poland because they all just go about on them. And oh my, I was so like I was into this thing. I could just imagine like scooting along with my guitar on my back, like on <laughs> on the on the roads at Edinburgh going to like whatever i've got to go to and uh oh, imagine touring they're, on um, a, wee, a wee scooter dude they're amazing man like um they had them in berlin as well there were lime lime scooters yeah I think, yeah, yeah yeah oh so much fun and i i think milton Keynes. they are going to bring them into trying them out in milton Keynes first so oh, wow i will send you videos of me because no, i oh, love man. them <laughs> stunt videos and stuff <laughs> yeah like the, i think they're amazing they're like they're not cheap i think my one was yeah. quite, quite expensive for the ride but it was just way too much fun to not do like go yeah, around totally. berlin oh man I, I would i would actually consider buying one I, and again i yeah. know they're not cheap but like it's if you added up all the money you spend on transport like just going from like here to the shop or like here to the studio or whatever it is i mean fair yeah. enough if i'm taking an amp then it's another situation but if it's just me and my just guitar, get a trailer like I could get by, yeah, I could get by on this wee <laughs> scooter thing. Because <laughs> they, they go as well. They go fast. Yeah, well, the do you know what a boosted board is? No. All right, so it's, I think it's an American company, and they make a, a motorized skateboard. So it's a skateboard that you have like a wee handle thing, and you can scoot away. Oh, yeah. And they made a, a scooter as well, and I'm pretty sure it goes up to like 24 miles an hour. Whoa. Yeah. Like, imagine. And there's ones that have been made in China that actually go, I'm pretty sure, up to, like, 30, 36 miles an hour. Like, imagine scooting about one of those wee things. (laughs) 
<laughs> like overtaking someone on like the public roads. Yeah, totally. I'll <laughs> be mad. Anyway, yeah, that's mental. Yeah. So what um <laughs> what have you got coming up in the next few months? I know you're obviously uh, kind of on lockdown just now, but is there anything coming out that we should uh, keep our eyes? Well, like, so I'm I'm writing, like, that's my main thing. So I go and record. So Rave and I, my rock band, um, our next single will be coming out next month and our album will be coming out shortly after as well, which is, like, hard rock. It's big riffs and, like, there's there's some solos on it, but it's more, like, big guitar riff rock um, vibes, which is... What what date I'm, is that going to be at? Um, so I, it's not an official release date for it yet. All right. So it'll most likely be July, I think we're talking about, because the tour would be cool. um, later in the year. Um, right. But, yeah, so that's a really super exciting thing because uh, I mixed the record. It's my kind of... I really enjoy putting the time into mixing this one, and it's it's a nuts record. There's a lot of arrangements, and, like, we used two cool. drum kits for the whole thing, which has been a real fun to kind of craft. Um, super fun. And then next month I go in to finish my solo record because I haven't released a solo records in for eight years cool so that's gonna be really fun dude like i've i've had a lot i want to write and sing about and i think the solo record for me is uh, i always write with my heart on my sleeve like i i for me i can't write stories or write kind of objective things i can only write personal like that's the only way i can really get lyrics out is like how i feel like my opinions about things like i just mm. that's uh, that's what i like singing about so this solo record is a becoming quite a personal record like i think the last couple of years have been like uh, great but also really hard uh in some ways so it's been a real nice to kind of i always find writing lyrics is a real good way of making peace with things so mm. that's my next main things finishing this record and then i'll be going in to mix it and finishing kind of mixing that record so then there's two albums to come out this year and a whole whole lot of touring which i'm super excited about Awesome. Maybe we can like collaborate on a song one day. That'd be nice. That'd be wicked, dude. That'd be wicked. Maybe like I, we'll have to bring you in on one of these songwriting sessions, and you know, we'll <laughs> yeah, 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 do something yeah. on that. I've, I've got, I've got a whole setup here. I'm, I'm ready right now. If you want to do a song, <laughs> I'm, I'm always down. Fuck yeah! Awesome. <laughs> and that concludes episode eleven of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you next week for more.